the goal is to have everyone know what a good day looks like, what success is defined as in terms of both qualitative and quantitative performance measures. That's really how you get everyone aligned with the direction across countries, time zones, not having to speak to them multiple times a day. There's another kind of black swan event out there. It is a net positive for society and remote working globally. You've earned it. You do great work. We trust you. You can work from home. You need to be flexible because you need to be ready to capitalize on it. Technology infrastructure is paramount for success in a distributed team. You're reachable and you're doing your work. That's all that you need to do. Welcome to a special edition of the Talent Economy Podcast, TopTal's Rise of Remote series. I'm your host, Paul Estes. We're in a time of unprecedented change on a global scale. In many ways, it feels like we blinked and suddenly the future of work is now. The remote work trend has accelerated 10 years in just the past few weeks. Over the next few episodes, I'm going to interview key leaders at TopTal to get a behind-the-scenes look at how the world's largest fully distributed organization can help guide companies through these challenging times. Today, my guest is Christy Schumann, TopTal's VP of Talent Operations. Christy's responsible for matching some of the world's greatest freelancers with companies who need their skills. She spent more than a decade in management consulting at Bain & Company and joined Rackspace as the general manager of their security business. Christy earned her BS in computer science and electrical engineering from MIT and an MBA from Columbia Business School. Hello, I'm Christy Schumann. I'm the VP of Talent Operations at TopTel. So Christy, thanks so much for joining me today. Before we get into TopTel specifically and your role as the, the VP of Operations, in your history, you worked at Bain, you worked at Rackspace. I imagine that a lot of those jobs were location-based, and now you're working for a fully distributed company. Take me through how you worked and how it changed. When I started up at Bain, we were very location-based, probably to the extreme, in which case we normally traveled to our clients. Like most consulting firms do, they have a four-day client site requirement. And so not only was I in an office, I was traveling to someone else's office, which either required plane or in many cases, a one to three hour drive each way. So I did that for a number of years. I actually spent the last two and a half years or so at Bain in an internal role called the practice area where I was able to be remote. And it was life-changing. I was remote. We had a full team. met with my team probably once a year at that. And it was really the first time I was able to see how productive a remote environment can be. It was the same Bain team and the same smart Bain people and the frameworks and the slide decks and the Excel models that we were to build, I was just doing it in the comfort of my own home. And so as I continued my journey, though, I actually left that remote role. I got kind of an itch and you know the grass is greener and I wanted to kind of explore outside of Bain for the first time. And so I went to Rackspace where I was in the office from probably you know on average eight to five, eight to six every day. It was different. There's trade-offs. It showed me that there was a lot of things I missed about being in the office your coffee chats, your in-person meetings where you can really get a, like the body language that you can feel in an in-person meeting. There's probably nothing like it. So there, there are definitely trade-offs in terms of working remote. But after returning back to remote, I can probably honestly say that I don't know if I can go back to a full-time office environment ever again. There's just the... In my own personal life, I'm actually much more productive when I am working from home. I think the chatter of the office and while there's benefits to having the impromptu conversations, tap on the shoulder, you know, with your teams, with your boss, with other people outside your function. There's benefits to that. I think in general, there's a certain percentage of those that 
are not as productive as they could be. And then you have an impromptu chat over coffee. No one writes anything down and you go on your merry way. In the remote environment, we don't have that. Every meeting has a purpose. Every meeting has an agenda that is documented. There's usually an initiative deck that has to be circulated across a number of people, across a number of time zones. So I think the remote productivity aspect of it is kind of a stark contrast from what you would find, I think, in the office. And it's something that I've really come to appreciate. You brought up a really interesting point that I've noticed in my transition to working fully remote, which is writing things down. It's not only writing things down, it's the tools and the way you communicate when you're working remotely. I imagine that in some of your previous roles, there was a lot of emails, a lot of meetings, and a lot of PowerPoints. What tools does your team at TopTal use to do real-time communication? Interestingly enough, we do have a number of in-person meetings. What we probably do follow, though, is before that in-person meeting, it is everyone's responsibility to look at the documentation ahead of time. So it is up to the initiative team or whoever is hosting the meeting to have some form of documentation, even if it is a full few bullet points on an agenda. I'm going to tick through this. Here are my thoughts. Here are the open questions that we have for discussion. And so I think people come to meetings more prepared then you know, it is a little bit easier in the office when you just get together and say, hey, let me throw up some bullets on the whiteboard on the fly. And so the tools we use though, I mean, Zoom, obviously Zoom for all video conferencing. I think Slack, between Slack and Google Docs, those are probably where we house most of our documentation. And Slack is just, I mean, really is what it stands for. It is literally where all the knowledge exists. And so Slack is probably the single source of truth. You don't really have to interpret what someone is saying when you leave a meeting. You can always go back and refer to exactly what was said or what is going to be covered in the meeting. You know, you have a large team, you're operating very complex work streams. How do you track productivity and measure success? I go back to my old days in in large corporate America and we'd sit in a room and the exec would sit at the head of the table and these big PowerPoint slides with red, yellow, green and a room was filled. How are you making sure that everyone's being productive and the key initiatives are, are tracking. I, maybe it's become a, because I come from a consulting background. I'm still a fan of red, yellow, green. Just because <laughs> you're remote doesn't mean that you don't have decks with red, yellow, green and a, you know, a PMO, a program management office that is tracking your key initiatives and the health of your business. In the remote environment, though, I think we rely, and at TopTel specifically, rely more on data and dashboards. So not necessarily translating them always into a PowerPoint deck, although we do that still, but having the live dashboards that are live and dynamic at any given time that allow you to, one, determine the overall health of your business, like revenue, cost, volume, or other performance metrics at the company or function level. Two, we use them to diagnose operational issues. Anything uh, in an operational function that has you know, a number of flags that go off is something is operationally going haywire. Three, I think metrics are critical for performance managing your teams and individuals in a remote environment. I'd like to think and make sure that everyone in our organization and talent operations, the goal is to have everyone know what a good day looks like, what success is defined as in terms of both qualitative and quantitative performance measures. That's really how you get everyone aligned with the direction across countries, time zones, not having to speak to them multiple times a day. TopTal has been a fully remote company for a decade. What have you learned on what makes it special, on how it might be different from other remote companies? One is 
TopTel is 100% distributed. It's the first time that I've been in a 100% distributed remote model. When I talked about my time at my consulting firm where I was remote, I was one of a few people that was remote and everyone else was in the office. I think TopTel is being 100% distributed like a number of other companies are now starting to have this model as well versus a mixed model. Having everyone remote actually puts everyone on a level playing field. When you have some people who are remote, but most people are in the office, the most important things are discussed when you hang up the call, right? You go through the entire agenda and everyone says, okay, uh, nice to talk to you. And then all of a sudden, the next steps and the actions are made on the walk back to your desks or on the walk to the coffee shop after the meeting is over. And so that was frustrating, I think, when sometimes I did have to be remote when I was in an office and I wasn't really sure if I was gathering all the context. So TopTel doesn't have that. Everyone's even playing field. Second thing is diversity. Because we are 100% remote, again, we, I think we're spread across 100 different countries. I don't think there's anyone nowadays that would debate that diversity is a bad thing. Uh, in fact, it's been proven by many that greater diversity leads to more effective and more successful businesses. And being 100% remote, we truly do make that effort in our recruiting to post in multiple cities and countries across the entire globe so we can get the best talent for the role. Just really open up the global talent pool that we're recruiting from. The third is a secret sauce that's really hard to describe. It's just such a strong culture. I mean, since I've been here, I don't think I've encountered anyone who is one, not driven or not ambitious or not helpful. Everyone is all of those things. And I think that comes from a very strong recruiting process, which actually even includes a culture interview that focuses specifically on the tenants that we have uh, on TopTel's culture page, which makes sure like, hey, are you ready for this? Are you ready to be remote? Are you self-motivated? You know, do you rely on your office for your social life? Because if you do, this kind of 100% distributed model might not be for you. And so I think having a very strong hiring process and very clear vision of what a good cultural fit looks like is is something that drives top talent. And it's impressive that we have been able to scale as fast and as large as we are with such a strong, consistent culture globally. One of the things that surprised me and has actually impressed me in working with the team is I don't feel the org structure. One of the things you said, people are helpful and they lean in and they're self-motivated. I find people focused on the work and trying to get whatever the objective is accomplished, not as much of, hey, what org are you in and how does that structure work? What advice would you provide to other executives and managers right now who are trying to figure out how to run their teams as efficiently and as successfully as possible right now? I think what many organizations are afraid of is everything they know in the office doesn't work in the remote environment. And the only thing I've, I think I've really honed in on over the past you know, few months, half a year or so, being at TopTel and being 100% remote, is many of the best practices that you should be practicing in the office or that you do practice in the office apply when you're remote. It's the same. Organizational structures don't have to change. They may appear flatter because anyone and everyone can pin you on Slack, but that, that doesn't have to change. You should, in the office, be managing to metrics your teams and team members, frontline, up, down, and across, should know what a good day looks like. They should have performance metrics and KPIs. And so all those things that I think are emphasized in a remote environment are really best practices that you should have in the office anyways. And so I, I would say, don't be nervous. A lot of the things you know already apply. Just so happens that you're talking over Zoom instead of being live in the same room. 
For organizations, my greatest piece of advice would be to not be nervous. This whole remote working, the rise of the talent economy, it's the future of work, but it is no longer the future of work. It is now. It is now more than ever, given obviously the global current events that are happening today with COVID-19 and this sudden rise of remote. But don't be nervous. It feels like they go from being optional to necessary when you go remote. I got lazy operationally times when I was on location-based work because you could go into a meeting and draw on a whiteboard and you didn't have to write things down. And here, you don't really have a choice because there is no whiteboard and there is no hallway conversation. And and I think you've said it a couple of times and it's worth noting that writing things down and having that trail so that more people can engage in that information and, and drive that consistency around the direction and the goals is important. The other big piece of advice, I think, is trust. Trust your teams. Trust your employees. Don't be nervous about your talents not working. Because if they're not doing the work, whether they're in the office or out of the office, you'll know. I think that's that's one of the biggest transitions is valuing results and not valuing FaceTime. When you see someone at their desk from 8 to 5, you think they're working that whole time and you think that they're being you know, 100% productive while they're in the office. I think that's probably wishful thinking, one. So two, you just have to trust your employees and make sure that you have milestones, deadlines, metrics set up so that you'll know if someone's not performing. Again, which you would in theory do as well as you would do that in the office as well. And so you'll be able to help the underperformers improve and help you know, develop performance improvement plans if necessary, if someone or a team is, is not performing. The last thing I would say to organizations is embrace the ability to now have a global talent pool. Companies are, are being asked and forced to go remote at this point in time, which while seems probably scary because it's uncharted territory, it's actually an opportunity in terms of them being able to expand beyond the talent pool that exists, you know, 25 to 30 miles from their headquarters. And so I I would just take this as awful as coronavirus is right now and the impact it's having globally. I would take this as an opportunity to expand your talent pool and really think about how their model can be completely revamped going forward in the future. Now let's talk a little bit about your role as the VP of Global Talent Operations. I cannot begin to imagine how complex it must be to manage talent with clients over 100 countries, 24 and 7. Tell me what a day or a week looks like for the VP of Talent Operations. A little bit about talent operations, because I think it might be a misnomer. You know, a lot of people think that we are recruiting talent, but TopTal's entire business model is sourcing, screening, and then matching these freelance talents with clients based on their needs. And that is what talent operations is. So it's not necessarily the operations between recruiting for the core. That's what our people team does. This is the team that really creates our network of thousands of people that we have in our network that are ready and willing and able to help clients on a remote basis, largely based on their needs from across the world. And so there's an entire operation of people in our organization, over 100 people that's supporting this expert pairing to ensure that, again, the client and talent both get what they want. Uh, So it is complex because, you know, in many businesses, you have one end customer and you have a product or a widget or a piece of software that you're selling. And in this case, it's unique because we have a two-sided marketplace where on one hand, you have 
a number of global well-funded startups or Fortune 500s. And on the other side, you have the most highly skilled talent in the world. And you have to figure out how to make both sides happy. So we have two customers and the client organization, they're in need of talent. And then the talent, the freelancer, it's important that we deliver both of them a very client-centric experience where they feel like they're getting the value that they sought out in the first place when coming to TopTal. A lot of people, when they think of the talent economy and the, the various platforms, like, oh, there's just an algorithm, right? There's just an algorithm. It takes care of the matching. Because you're dealing with such sophisticated clients on one end, whether it's a Fortune 500 company or landing an AI expert or a machine learning expert, and the best of the best who have choices, help me understand how the operations process works. One of the things that's unique with TopTal that that other companies have is they don't have that layer that looks at the pure work and the pure expertise and figures out how to, to match it almost on-demand real-time. Our process is fairly complex because we're dealing with clients who have certain needs, talents who have certain needs. You have to have this expert pairing. We believe it requires a really special human-curated process. And so we're not HR. We have an entire operation that is dedicated to sourcing the talent, screening and vetting the talent. So that takes away you know, all that need in terms of like, let me narrow it down to the final five, now the final three. Now we do an assessment that we, we've done all that already for the, for the clients and the talents for that matter. So we get to know the talents during that process as well, what they're looking for, what their skills are. And so when it comes down to placing talent real-time on demand, we can do that very quickly because you know it requires... I think a certain level of complexity that algorithms can't deal with. So we have humans helping to make that expert pairing. And we've also done a lot of upfront work and research so that we are able to pair that in a you know, less than 24-hour window. A lot of the Fortune 500 companies are location-based. How do you bridge that last mile connection? When I've traditionally hired, you know, if I've gone to a traditional staffing agency, somebody came, we had coffee, you know, they gave me a bunch of resumes in that process, while very traditional, took a very long time. And now TopTal comes in and says, hey, give me a week, I'll give you the best person to do, you know, this specific work. For us, I think it really depends on the client. So we have a number of, probably not the Fortune 500s, we have a number of these startups, smaller companies, or even mid-sized, mid-tier companies and we find oftentimes that our customers actually appreciate the fully remote model. And for us, it's like eating our own dog food. If we're promoting network of talent globally, remote talent that can work effectively for you three time zones away, then we should be able to work with you remotely as well and still maintain that same level of client experience and responsiveness as we would if we were on site embedded into your, your recruiting team, for example. That being said, we do have a number of enterprise clients, as you alluded to, where face-to-face interactions and relationships are still very important. So that being said, you know, we're all still human. and We want you to trust your partners. So we do make those in-person trips in certain situations. I would say our, our client model is not really one size fits all. One of the things that's interesting is people start embracing remote. In fact, I've seen it with my, my friends that are now just becoming remote for the first time, is how to do work-life balance, how to keep wellness at the top of the the list. Because if you can't get, take care of yourself mentally and stay engaged, then your work will, will suffer. As an executive leader, how do you help teams and people that come on to the team who might be new to remote in those aspects? 
It's a really great question. The topic of work-life balance in a remote environment. And I have a number of friends who, who look at me in a remote, completely remote environment and say, oh, you must be working 20 to 30 hours a week because you're working from home. You get to have lunch and do your laundry and go grocery shopping during the day. As a remote worker, worker I wish that was the case. I, I found myself working more hours. It's exactly right. The perception is completely false. I think for many, it's actually harder to create boundaries when you're working from home because you're, you're home is now your workplace. There are no boundaries. Like, you know, your phone, I mean, we're all attached to our phones. Our phones, you know, Slack notifications are going off during the day. Even when I am in the kitchen making my tea for the three minutes, I've stepped away from my desk and my headset. And so I think that's a very false perception. We actually work a lot, though. I think our, our leadership team works a lot to make sure that we are promoting the flexibility of what TopTal is all about. And so for me, for example, I... I'm a pretty open book with my team. So I like to think that I lead by example. I make sure that I take advantage of the flexibility in terms of not missing those special events with my family, like the Halloween parade or school performances. And when I'm going to those, I'll let people know like, hey, I'm offline from two to five. I'll be back on after the kids go to bed. And I'm always online at night. But it allows me that special time you know, from probably 5.30 or 6 until 9 to have uninterrupted with my family. There's zero commuting time, so that also helps. But I'll let them know I'm off you know, at 2 o'clock uh, for the Halloween parade, but I'll be back online later. It's just a matter of transparency and letting people know when I have to dial off, when I can be available later. And I think leading by example and just showing people that I am able to get things done while also maintaining this sense of flexibility is at least something to show them that they should be doing the same thing because it's really up to each individual to be proactive about how they set boundaries. You know, a lot of times I'll work Saturday and Sunday in the morning, but that's because I couldn't do anything Friday after 3 p.m. because I had to pick up my kid from school for his swim team, right? And so it's, it's about, again, it's not about FaceTime or when your Slack bubble is green, it's about your results and your output. With a global distributed team, with everyone working across multiple time zones, no one really asks what you're doing, where you are. Many of us are available, I think, during the core business hours. But you know, if there's a few times where you're not, no one is alarmist about it, right? Whereas if you didn't show up to the office on a Thursday at, after lunch, it, people would start asking, where are you? Where are you? It's important, like you brought up, for people to think about flexibility, where you can spend time, where you can recharge, or where that time might be valuable to you, whether it's with your family or whether it's going for a run or, or biking or, or doing a hobby or reading. and Finding that time to disengage from work is important, whether you work in location or whether you work remotely. I think the harder part is when you work remotely, you're more accountable for taking control of that time and versus a very structured work day where you have that time built in. If we were to look 18 months out from now to the way work has changed for large companies and, and mid-tier companies, what do you think are some of the things out of this experience that represent durable change? Yeah, I think this is a monumental, unprecedented shift for the global workforce. If I had to look 18 months even down the road, I think most companies will offer some sort of remote program. I do hypothesize that many companies will go back to the ways of working. You know, they all have offices, they all have real estate and investment there. And, you know, it's not just going to be an empty office. But I do think that they'll have their eyes open to some sort of remote program. And as they 
figure out how to retain employees, much of that will be around remote and flexibility. I have to move maybe for a personal issue or for my family or for my spouse. Allowing your employees to go remote, you know, I think would increase your retention. Why do you want to lose that talent only if, you know, due to location? That, that doesn't seem to make a lot of sense given that all of the tools and technologies are now available to companies big and small to allow for productive remote environment. The second thing I'd add, I, you know, if I look 18 months down the road, the talent side, I think they will be freer as well, freer in terms of they'll be looking for more flexibility. They'll get used to this sudden rise of remote. They'll get used to that. And then they'll say, hey, I, I like this. I like this flexibility. I don't want to go back into the office for 10 to 12 hours a day away from my family. And so I think the talents and the teams will start to realize that flexibility is indeed attainable. So maybe you don't go into the office five days a week. Maybe you go in two to three days a week and you have a, a handful of days or, that are remote. I think it will just change the model for many companies. It's amazing to me how if you look at every survey from talent, flexibility is at the top of that list. Now people are starting to realize it is possible. It takes a, a change in the way you work. Thank you so much for taking time with me today. If there's a person listening right now who's in operations that wanted to reach out and say, hey, Christy, just want to hear a little bit more. What's the best way to reach out to you? Email. Email him, christy.schumann at toptel.com. And we'll make sure we put that in the show notes. Thank you again so much, Christy. Of course. I'm your host, Paul Estes. Thank you for listening to this special edition of the podcast, Top Tal's Rise of Remote. To hear more insights from Top Tal executives on what it takes to lead the world's largest distributed company, head to toptal.com slash insights. Check out the playbook, as well as other articles that will help provide guidance during this time of unprecedented change. 